Try it again. We'll so now you know what we're doing. I'm actually not preaching this morning. Uh, that, that's, that, that's fine. That's fine. But we have a great speaker. Pastor Dorsey Ross is going to come to share a word this morning of uh, Dorsey Ross Ministries. Uh, Dorsey and I went uh, to college together from where most great pastors come from, the University of Valley Forge. Uh, and uh, he can tell you a little bit more about that as he shares his testimony. Uh, and he did remind me in first service, I can't believe I forgot this, the other amazing thing about Pastor Dorsey, and, and you're going to love this, Pastor Dorsey is a devout Broncos fan. And so we really appreciate that about you, Pastor Dorsey. Uh, but uh, we'd love to ask you to come and just share your heart with us this morning. Can you make him feel welcome as he comes to the stage this morning? Thank you, Pastor Chris, for allowing me to come and share with you guys this morning. I like to cook. I like to um, cook fish and cook things. And I usually don't go by the recipe of what I'm making. I just make my own, you know, concoction of what it's going to be. And usually I like shrimp. And I was, you know... Always we get the raw, you know, shrimp that's already, you know, cooked and not cooked, but already cut out and everything fresh and everything. And there was one time I went to the store and the guy said to me, hey, you should get the shrimp that's debased. That way, you know, it's supposed to be fresher for you, supposed to be better for you, healthy and whatnot. And I said, well, what do I have to do? He's like, well, all you have to do is cut it out. And I forgot, well, I took it home, you know, didn't go so well for me. It was very tough for me to cut it out and everything. And so I go back to the store and he says to me, hey, what happened? So I told him that it was very hard for me to cut it out and I'm very nervous about cutting, cutting it out because the way my fingers are, the way they were created, the way, you know, because my, my fingers were fused together at first and the doctors had to separate my fingers. They were only able to form or create nine fingers because of the, the bone structure in my hand. So I told the guy behind the counter, like, look, I only have nine fingers as it is. I don't want to lose any more by cutting another one off. I'd rather just do it the way I've been doing it. And to go into my story, my mom um, was 41, my dad was 45. When they happened to go a little backstory on that, they met in Queens, New York. I'm born in Lebanon, Queens, New York. They met walking down the street when they were young. You know, my, my mom was 17, I think, at the time. My dad was like 20 in the Marines, getting ready to um, go off to Korea to fight in the Korean War. And they met, and she said to him, hey, can I have your ice cream? Uh, uh, you know, and he's like, okay, you can, you know, have a taste of my ice cream. And three months later, they got married. And the, the joke that they used to tell was that, you know, she stayed home, and, you know, she had to, in the honeymoon, to fight in the in the war. And but um you know several years later, which I'm going to a little bit here, 
my mom was 41 and my, my dad was 45 when they, when they had me. They weren't expecting to have another child. The thought of having another child was probably another atmosphere, another, you know, another universe of even thinking about having another child. And when they found out that they, that, that my mom was pregnant, she started to gain weight. And she, you know, was concerned because she thought that she had some type of tumor growing inside of her. And she went to the doctor to get checked out and to see what exactly was going on. And the doctor kept her, well, you know, you don't have any type of tumor growing inside of you, but you do have a baby boy growing inside of you. And there have been many trials and many tests that I've had to go through throughout my lifetime and will continue to face in my life. The trials that I had to face were people that would bully me, call me names like monster and freak. I would have people that would point at me and stare at me because of how I looked all because I was born differently. Regardless of what I faced in my life, I continue to persevere with God's help. Even to this day, you know, sometimes, you know, people all ages, I will get, you know, stares and points and, you know, not so much name calling anymore, but usually pure points and stares of, and even in my own mind, because of the way I grew up, you know, people staring at you, you start to have that ingrained in your mind. You start to, you know, think, you know, when somebody is staring at you, you know, you think to yourself, what are they thinking about? What are they thinking of me? What, you know, what are they, you know, because some people when I was younger, they would think, you know, maybe I was in an accident, maybe I was in the fire, maybe, you know, they never really thought about the fact that I was born with a birth defect, which I was called aphid syndrome. And aphid syndrome is a congenital birth defect of the hands and the face. And when I was born, my forehead was pushed out with my eyes and over pushed back into my head and my fingers and toes refused to get me had no individual movement of them. Now before I was born, or at, before I was born, my parents had no idea at all that their son was going to have any type of birth defect or any like, type of health problems when he was born. I was born on January 16, 1977. And back then they didn't have the testing and the health tests that they have today to, you know, test for, you know, genetic defects and test for all these 
all these things. And so when I was born, the doctors left me off to examinate. And, you know, probably at that time, my parents were probably both nervous about what was happening. Why did they rush me off to examinate? Doctor said nothing at the time. Probably a couple of hours later, the doctor came back in. And, or before that, the doctors had wheeled me, or the nurses had wheeled me back into the room where my mom was. And she didn't see me at all. All she saw that was, was that I had raised my hand. Now my hands, my fingers at the time was, were fused together. I had no individual movement of them. Almost like I had a mitten on, you know, where you don't have the individual fingers. And so she thought to herself, well, if that's the only thing that's wrong with him, then that's fine. Well, you know, we'll deal with it. And the doctors came back in later on, explained to my parents everything that was happening. And they also told my parents that I had no skull opening and no cross spot to allow my brain to grow and allow it to function normally. And the doctors said to my parents, you know, the best asking that we can give to you to put him into a institution and to let him stay. Thankfully, my parents were both faith-based people and, you know, believed in, trusted in God and believed that God was going to do something great and something amazing in this situation. So they said, well, you know, we're not going to sign these papers, we'll just take them home and see what God will do with them. And James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have a perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And before my parents came home, my dad goes down the hallway to, to play and to ask God, you know, for wisdom and for guidance and for, you know, faith and all these things that he was playing for at the time. And in this, you know, hallway or room, wherever he was, there's no one else around. And he heard this still small voice say to him, be still. And I believe it was the power of the Holy Spirit came to him, be still. And we look up Psalm 4610, it says, be still and know that I am God. And in the context of that verse, it's talking about, you know, the difficulties we face and the trials that we face, that we need to be calm, be still, you know, relax. And regardless of all those things, that we need to know that God is there with us in the midst of, of the storms that we face. And 
I went home, went to different, all the different doctors that someone had recommended me to go and see. And the doctor there said, you know, well, if he had the operation to open the skull and to allow his brain to grow and allow it to function normally, he'll survive. He'll have difficulties and things he have, he'll have to face, but he'll, he'll survive. And at six weeks of age, I had my first of many operations to open the skull to allow my brain to grow and allow it to function normally. While my parents were going through this trial, they didn't waver in their faith. Their faith and trust in God did not waver. They may have questioned how we handle this situation, though they never gave up. At five years old, my parents who were told at birth that their son was going to be pretty much, you know, eventually become a vegetable and wouldn't survive and wouldn't make it in this world, show their son into the Henry Scottish School for people with disabilities. Even at this school, even at a school for people with disabilities, throughout my time there, <coughs> and, you know, throughout my time there, even others, you know, they were teased and they were bullied by other people with disabilities. Thankfully for my parents, you know, I grew up in the church. They, you know, probably the first time I was able to, they were able to take me there. I was, I was there, I grew up in the church. And as I got older, I started to attend the youth group. And I gave my life to Christ at the age of 13. And I love going to the youth group. I love the interaction that I was able to have with the youth group. They may have, you know, roasted me at times when I graduated high school or when I turned 18, but they never, you know, made fun of me. They never picked on me in any bad or bad way. They never called me names. They loved me for me, they loved me, that they loved God, and they, you know, wanted us to, you know, they, we were all just a good group of guys going in that youth group. And as I got older, I started to, you know, love encouraging them, and love ministering to them, speaking life into them and into their situations, and I started to think about the possibility of maybe at some point becoming a youth pastor down, down the road, and I had this one um, youth leader at the time, I actually had a crush on his daughter while I was in the youth group with, you know, with her, and she was in the youth group as well, I had a a crush on, on his daughter. I thought it was probably a good thing, nothing else. Went. We never started dating because he was a big guy. He was in the Marines, he was a big guy. And we probably wouldn't want to mess with him. And he 
traveling around, sharing your story of what God has done in your life. And there were those moments in my life where I was like, all right, well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. You know, thank you for your encouragement into my life. Growing up, I had a speech 